0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com that's g e t p u r o a i r.com one more time for the people in the back getpuroair.com Well hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 180 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing culture's role, particularly pop culture's role in the environmental movement. While it can feel natural to disassociate from media coverage surrounding global warming and climate change, it's much harder to do so when pop culture pushes the narrative, right? As a kid, I loved the show Captain Planet and the show has stayed with me through the decades. On today's show, we're discussing why exactly that is. And by the way, quick shout out to all my fellow Captain Planet lovers. (laughs) I believe that the relationship between popular culture and popular opinion is circular. And so a great way to jumpstart conversations with children and with other loved ones is to do so through a show or through a book or a movie or a song that gets to the heart of the issue. Today, I'm speaking with Jessica Harris. Jessica wears an awful lot of hats, and she's going to tell you about all of them, but the specific hat we are discussing today is her role as a children's book author. Jessica's here to divulge why on earth she wrote Bernie's Escape from Ong Island, which introduces children to issues surrounding plastic waste and specifically the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. We're also discussing the reasons why pop culture and not media coverage may be the way in which we can both broaden and diversify the environmental movement. Jessica, how are you? I'm good, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. I am so excited to talk to you about the role of culture and environmental issues. And specifically, today we're talking about pop culture and resources for children. And I feel as though you're the perfect person to talk to about this because you wrote a children's book. Congratulations. That's amazing. And we're going to talk about your books. It's wonderful. But before we do that, tell my listeners, who are you? What do you do? And how did you find yourself
1: writing a children's book? Yeah, again, thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. To introduce myself, my name is Jessica Harris. I have a degree in mechanical engineering from New Jersey Institute of Technology, and I moved to Austin from New Jersey about five years ago. I'm the mother of two wonderful children, Jackson and Joanna, and I have an amazing, hardworking, handsome husband, Jacob. I am the president of my very own woman business-owned energy consulting business, Harris Energy Solutions, Finally, as you mentioned, I am the author of a new children's book. It's titled, Bernie's Escape from Ong Island. So you wear so many hats.
0: (laughs) You're a mother, you're a business owner, you're an author. How do you juggle all those balls?
1: What I've learned, and, and you know, I used to be before marriage and children, I was like a project manager. So I was I was able to do so many things in a day. And I realized now that that is my old way of living. And I just can't do that anymore. And sometimes you just have to accept you're only going to get certain things done, you know, you get all the plates in the air. You pick the ones that are the most important, like what has to be done, you know, for your own mental health and, you know, and your family and your company, you know, what are the most important and some things just got to wait, just put them on a list and you'll get to them when you can, you know, it's, it's just doing as much as you can. That's feasible. And sometimes you do make people upset and you just kind of have to, unfortunately, just accept you are limited because you're doing too much. (laughs)
0: Well, I alluded to the fact that you wrote a book, Bernie's Escape from Ong Island. And I want to start off today by talking about this book. Tell me what it's about and more specifically, how you felt pulled to write
1: a children's book. The story actually originates in Austin, Texas, which I think is very fun because it's very dog friendly. So Bernie the Puggle is the main character. She's half Beagle, half Puggle, and 100% awesome. And Bernie's best friend's name is Sammy. And basically this duo stumbles upon a big issue of plastic pollution through an adventure-packed voyage to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. So basically what this whole thing does is this adventure shows the impact it has on wildlife and our oceans. So what pulled me to make this book is just the amount of waste the world produces. I just, it just, I don't know why that's like my thing. It just upsets me to my core, you know? And then if you start to even go over to single use plastics, where we use something for 15 minutes and it outlives us four and a half times, scientists have found plastic in the deepest trenches of the ocean. A recent news report showed they found plastic in a human placenta, a baby, when it's estimated we eat a credit card's worth of plastic each week, there's got to be health problems associated with this behavior. So I think also it's like an understanding piece, right? I know I'm guilty of this myself. And you think, hey, I use plastic, but I recycle it, so it's okay. But that isn't true. If you actually dive in and start to research it, most of it gets landfilled anyways. And studies only show that 9% of everything recycled goes on and becomes another product. This is very different from like glass and like metal cans, right? Those are up to like 70, 80% that get used again. And it's just the way that the polymers are within the product. It makes them very difficult to recycle and be able to use it again. And to make it even worse, the U.S. actually, its procedures for recycling include shipping our recycling products to a foreign country to dispose of it properly, which think of the transportation for that, Right. And then recently, this avenue has been rejected and causing even bigger issue. So I don't even know what they're doing <laughs> with that. So also kind of to tie it back to my career, being in the energy consulting industry, I'm constantly reminded how improvements and standard ways of doing things can make such an impact. But I can pin down my inspiration to one conversation I had at a party, which I think is fun. I was talking to one of my friends. I absolutely love her, which is, is good, right? So I was talking to her and I said, I just can't believe we have a substantial floating trash these floating trash patches in the ocean, those poor animals, you know, I can't even imagine what that impact that has. And she just looked at me, this very smart person was like, I didn't know that. That's really (laughs) like she had never heard of the great Pacific garbage patch. And that's when I knew I had to do something about it. And I just thought, what better way to bring knowledge to people young and old than through a children's book? You know, not only will the kids read it, but the the adults read it to them, you know, so it's kind of a twofold impact.
0: Hmm. Isn't it amazing that, you know, we're entrenched in issues surrounding the planet, you and I both on a daily basis, but to hear that for the average layperson, in your case, your friend doesn't know about the, <laughs> the Great <laughs> Pacific trash patch and the gyres and the this and the that is pretty amazing for me to hear that. Talk to me about the characters in your book they're
1: adorable they're lovable is there a story behind them yes and when you write a book it, you go through many iterations right so the main character i'll start with him so he's he's called the ong so he's an evil creature collecting plastic waste and he's supposed to personify you know the effects of human ignorance so it's it's kind of interesting you'll kind of see in the book he starts to embody the consequences of all the pollution caused by humans okay and then i kind of mentioned Bernie before, Bernie and Sammy. So those are the two main characters, but they also come across three sea creatures, right? A turtle, a sea lion, and a seagull. And I hope nobody fact checks me because sea lions aren't actually in the Gulf of Mexico, which, (laughs) but just the reason that in my research, those common animals directly hurt by plastic pollution. I mean, of course we, we hear about the fish and the whales, but you know, I just thought it was good to just focus on that because they're so cuddly and fun and like everyone loves turtles, you know. So also to a kind of a second layer of that, each of these are unfortunately found in different trappings. Examples are plastic bags, fishing nets, and a big plastic lawn chair. I just think like often I did that because I think most people think it's like just plastic bottles and straws just floating around, you know, but, but that's not true at all. In fact, in my research, I found it's large items too for example, I kept seeing over and over a very large mattress and all these pictures of them washed on shore. I'm like, I never even thought that would end up in the ocean, you know? So I thought like using those characters and those things that they were trapped in would be a real kind of way to learn. And they're actually like fact-based.
0: I know you had mentioned earlier that the decision to write a children's book stemmed from the fact that it could be a learning tool for both children and adults the children who are listening and the adults who are reading them to the children but i guess this is where i really want to dive in today and that is to discuss and muse about the role that books and films and just pop culture in general has on the environmental movement so this is a big heavy question but I'm going to ask it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So get ready, buckle up. Like why do you think that pop culture is really darn important for bringing light to issues surrounding
1: environmentalism? I actually do have quite a simple response to that. So like I think in my opinion like when you see somebody complaining about environmental matters, like on the news and stuff, you're just like, oh gosh, there's so many other problems in the world. Like, oh, really this too, you know? So I feel like people shut that off. They're just kind of like disconnected from it. Whereas I think if you read or you watch a film experiencing pollution, especially to animals and how it it impacts your own life, it kind of just reinforces the danger and makes you reflect on the problems more seriously. And I just think like people learn in different ways, you know? So I think if you just peak that interest, you know, you can just kind of become more bound to the, the actual issue at hand.
0: Yeah. And to take your response a step further, you know, we can turn on the news and we can listen to a newscaster or a journalist give unbiased, unemotional accounts of issues in the environment, global warming, climate change. And For, I think, 90% of the population, and that is a rough non-scientific number, 90%, but for the majority of listeners listening to that newscast, it doesn't touch upon emotion because the threat is not yet immediate. And so I would argue, I think, that the role of pop culture is that it, by nature, encourages an emotional response. And if there's an emotional response, then the opportunity and the invitation to personally engage with the environmental movement
1: is much stronger. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's a great description. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, part of this episode is in the show notes. And in the show notes this week, I have listed dozens of books like yours that are for children, as well as movies. I also have a couple TV shows in there, all with the goal of encouraging that emotional connection to environmentalism. This then brings in another aspect to the conversation, which of course is, well, how do you talk to older kids who have the insight and the maturity or to be able to ask really difficult questions. How do we as parents match those difficult questions? Should we be honest? Should we use scare tactics? What's the best way to respond to an older child, a tween, or even a teenager who you know, is concerned, is following Greta Thunberg or (laughs) following this plastic gyre in the Pacific or, you know, is on Instagram and is seeing dire warnings about what the next few decades will look like. So what, in your opinion and in your capacity as a parent, are some best practices for discussing
1: climate change, global warming with kids? Yeah, that is a tough one, but a very good question. This is undoubtedly a very carefully crafted conversation for a parent to have. And of course, I have to to myself, I, I would suggest using my book. And I have a bunch of resources on my website that basically introduced introduce the dangers of pollution through worksheets and songs. I actually have two songs for my book. <laughs> and I just, I think another one that really, I think ties into what you're saying, especially the older generation. I know I did this as a lot as a kid. So maybe this really, I'm a living proof that this is a great idea, but I mean, getting them involved in a cleanup locally or at a nearby beach, or, I mean, I remember in my high school, I was with all my friends and we were cleaning up a street and I couldn't even tell you the amount of stuff that we found. It was disgusting. (laughs) And you're just like, wow, like how do people just discard this stuff? And I think that sort of things, if you're experiencing it in person, you just can't believe it, you know, and it kind of sticks with you. So giving them this real life involvement with the issue so they can kind of form their own opinions. I mean, kids are way smart. You know, something that I'm learning, even my like four-year-old daughter, sometimes I'm just like blown away. You know, I think kids are way more intelligent than we think. So they probably know a lot of the stuff anyways. So to be reinforced by you talking about it with them, I I think it's just a great practice. Hmm.
0: We are going to continue our discussion about the role of pop culture in environmentalism after a quick word from this week's sponsor. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Cleaner Cloths. Europeans adore Swedish dishcloths, and here's why. They are the incredibly versatile alternative to sponges, rags, paper towels, and microfiber cloths. And Swedish dishcloths from Cleaner Cloths? Whereas microfiber is plastic, sponges are disposable, and rags harbor bacteria, Cleaner Cloths are actually made in Sweden from the highest quality cellulose and cotton. I love cleaner cloths because they're completely utilitarian. They're workhorses made to be used up to 100 times before tossing in my backyard compost bin. The best part? Just one cleaner cloth replaces 200 rolls of paper towels. Cleaner cloths are an essential item in every sustainable minimalist home, and at just $1.47 per cloth, it's a no brainer. Head over to cleanercloths.com to experience what Europeans have been raving about. That's cleanercloths.com and try the best Swedish dishcloths today. And we're back with Jessica Harris, the author behind Bernie's Escape from Ong Island. I was just thinking, Jessica, as you were talking about a commercial that aired when I was a child, I'm going to guess it was probably the early 90s. I was, let's say, I don't know, between the ages of six and nine. I remember this commercial vividly. There was a fish bowl filled with water with a single fish in it, a goldfish. And then there was next to, and if you know this commercial, or if anybody listening knows this commercial, reach out to me. I want to talk about this commercial with you. (laughs) And then there was a child brushing his teeth and he was leaving the water on. And so the goal of the commercial was to teach children to conserve water. As the kid was brushing his teeth and he left the water running while he was brushing water slowly seeped out of the fishbowl. And at the end of the commercial, the fish was out of water. I mean, this was all a cartoon. So (laughs) take this with a grain of salt. But the message was to conserve water. And that commercial stuck with me. I'm now 36, almost 37 years old. This commercial has stuck with me for 30 years because it hit on the emotional connection. Like this fish no longer has any water with which to survive. And so- there's no question here. It's just maybe a thought, which is that pop culture gives us two completely different ideals. On the one hand, it's the materialistic one, right? Where happiness is in stuff, buy stuff, buy the new toy, buy the new fashion trend, buy the boat, buy whatever it is, right? But on the other hand, and especially in 2021, I see it popping up through celebrity action, through TV, through books, through all the things. The second ideal is one of the life of simplicity, one of living with the planet in mind. I guess my question here is, because our children are growing up in a world in which that second ideal, the simple living ideal is more commonplace, how do we focus on solutions with our children as
1: opposed to the magnitude of the problem. Do you have any insight within your own home? I know you can't see me right now, but I'm smiling ear to ear because I know exactly the commercial you're talking about. Oh, really? And and it's so funny. You know, I think it, it, I'm very close in age to you. And I think that might be why, because I remember I was probably around 10 or so, I, I don't even know, uh, around that age. And I was staying over my cousin's house and we we're brushing our teeth together. And she did exactly what you said. And I said, what about the fish? How could you, how could you do that? She's like, what fish? What are you talking about? I'm like the commercial, you're, 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 tra- you know, you're, you're starving the fish. You can't breathe. And she's like, what are you talking about? I turned it off. And, and I don't know if that made an impact in her life at all, but that particular commercial actually was something that happened in my life. But I totally agree that you get that emotional connection, you just start to care. That's when you really start to make progress. To swing back to your question, to focus on solutions, the last page of my book contains various solutions the average person can do to make a difference. It is all about changing your mentality of, of your household waste stream of your family. And you kind of look at what what it is and then also make changes just a couple quick examples are, you know, try to fix things when they break rather than replace them. I feel like in the world of Amazon and just online ordering, sometimes it's just so easy to just order something and replace it. You know, like it's, just, oh, it'll be here in two days. And then I'll just think about, but like, think about what you're doing, you know, that waste, all that energy to create that product. I think I have a, actually a good example here I, I might go into. So I was in a rush, of course, and I had my coffee pot. It was in the dishwasher and I bumped it. And it went flying into the sink and it shattered into a million pieces, right? So I'm like, oh, all right, I need a new coffee pot. I'm a mom, oh my goodness, you know? So I clean it up and I look and I can get a new coffee pot for 40 bucks. And then one, the one I like and it's like, I'm okay. And I'm like, well, what am I doing? The rest of this coffee pot is brand new. Well, you know, why don't I just, let me go see what the coffee pot replacement is. So there was another one, It's about 30 bucks, it was for a new glass coffee pot. And I was like, I'm just probably going to break this again. Let's be serious, you know? So I went on and I looked, I think Bed Bath & Beyond had it, but it was a stainless steel version, right? I'm like, oh, I can't break this one. If there's an intruder in the house, I could throw it at them, you know? But I was like, this is perfect. I was like, and then not only that, it's going to keep the heat in. It'd probably be a little bit harder to clean. But, you know, I was like, this could be a great solution. So I found the alternate and it was 40 bucks. Isn't that ironic? The same for a brand new one. And I was like, you know what? I want to do it. I'm going to switch to the stainless steel. And I did and I love it. It is hard to clean <laughs> I just throw that out there. But it's just simple changes exactly like that, you know, like instead of just buying something brand new, you know, just maybe try to find an alternate, even if it is as expensive, you know, and just kind of another example. My son is still young, but my daughter loves my book. And it's pretty cute that every time we see a piece of trash outside, she says, we have to pick it up, mommy, the, or the Ong will get it, you know. So she's already got that emotional bond you described earlier. And then we also try to give our kids hands-on responsibility as well. For instance, when we wash out our plastics, I'll have Joanna deliver them to the recycling bin, you know. For instance, when we wash out our plastics, we have Joanna deliver them to the recycling bin. So she starts to develop a sense of ownership to being part of the solution and realize something else happens after you use your household products. So I think that's a, I'm a very hands-on person, as you can tell from my answers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I love all of those suggestions and love about Bernie's escape to Ong Island is that it comes with so many extension activities and extension activities is my teacher voice coming out. I used to be a teacher. so. But the point is that you can just read a book or watch a nature-leaning film, and that can be the end of the discussion. Or as parents, we could use pop culture as teachable moments to continue the conversation and to extend the lesson. And so thank you so much for not just writing the book, but also offering up so many other ways in which children and parents together can engage in the larger issues at hand. I'm curious, though, do you have any other books or resources that you can suggest for parents listening, but also perhaps for non-parents listening who have children in their lives that, you know, they're going to give a gift at the holidays or a gift for the birthdays? Do you have any other resources to mention?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did intend that this Bernie series to be three books. I do plan to write one about deforestation and then also the impact of pesticides on bees. So I have started writing them, but as you can hear from this conversation, I, I'm pretty busy, so I work on it whatever I can. But Bernie's Escape from Long Island is available on pretty much all platforms, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Ingram Book Publishing, etc. If you would like to get a signed copy of the book, you can fill out a form on my website at www.jessicaharrisbooks.com. And you can see that we have our own blog posts on relevant up-and-coming plastic pollution issues. We typically post two times a week. I have my intern from my company help me with that. She's amazing. She actually just yesterday made a video on how you make beeswax cloth. I don't know if you guys have seen any ads for that kind of thing, but you can actually make your own. Just pick your favorite pattern and you put beeswax on, you put it in the oven for like four to six minutes. And that is something that you can like wash, hand wash and keep over and over again. It's something you can wrap your foods in rather than using a Ziploc bag, but different things like that. We end up putting up on our resource section of my website And just to kind of even go further into the resource tab, this includes lesson plans for teachers or homeschooling parents or really eager grandparents (laughs) that have activity sheets with hands-on projects for your kids to work on. We update this monthly with fun new activities, like I mentioned, and actually later this month, because it's Earth Day month, we are creating a virtual cleanup so then you can actually follow and participate on your own because it doesn't really matter where you are. Any place needs help, you know? And then I, I I know I keep mentioning this, but the Bernie Escape from Long Island rap song is so fun and so catchy. And it's a fun way to dance and learn about the dangers of plastic pollution. Hmm. Jessica, I know
0: you have a career in energy and I know you did a lot of research for your book, which will be a series. I didn't know that. That's amazing. What would you like to leave listeners with about all of that research and all of
1: that professional experience. Do you have a singular takeaway? Yes. And I'm so glad you gave me this platform to talk about it. So what I've kind of found, honestly, and like the living through everything that I feel like we have experienced in the last couple of years, the seven things have made our world and will shape our future. These are nature, money, work, care, food, energy, and lives right? And it's very important you kind of think about that as singular pieces. In making these things cheap, modern commerce has transformed, governed, and devastated the earth. We live in a linear economy where items are designed to break, so you go out and buy something new. The number of materials and energy needed for this type of production is not sustainable, especially when you dive into how deeply it affects people worldwide. A circular economy is a model of of production and consumption, which involves sharing, leasing, reusing, repairing, and as a last resort, recycling existing materials and products as long as possible. In this way, the life cycle of the product is extended. In practice, it implies reducing waste to a minimum. When a product reaches the end of its life, its materials are kept within the economy wherever possible. These can be productively used again and again, thereby creating additional value. Moving towards a more circular economy can deliver benefits such as reducing pressure on the environment, improvement of the supply of raw materials, increasing competitiveness, stimulating innovation, boosting economic growth, and creating jobs. And another bonus result of the circular economy is consumers will also be provided with the more durable and innovative products that will increase the quality of life and save them money in the long term. I just think that really encapsulates, you know, everything I do for a career to kind of reduce energy, what my book is trying to talk about and just things that I I think if you start your research and look into will probably really bother you.
0: Well, I'm so glad you mentioned the concept of a circular economy because in a few weeks I have a circular economics expert coming on the show. So for anybody who, listening who's interested in that, stay tuned. And I will also say that Transitioning from a linear economy to a circular one is going to require a lot of creativity, a lot of ingenuity, and a lot of smart minds coming together to make it happen. So I would say that it starts with us, you, me, parents, (laughs) to put that bug in our children's ear now so that as they step up into the roles of the next generation of thought leaders, they'll be ready to step up to the challenge. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I will definitely be tuning in on that (laughs) podcast. That's great. That's wonderful. You're ahead of the game, Steph. Good job.
0: (laughs) Well, Jessica, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show. I have linked to your book. I have linked to the resources. I've also gone ahead and just linked to Harris Energy Solutions on Instagram in the show notes because I just love supporting the women in business. So thank you so much for coming on the
1: show. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I really enjoyed it.
0: I so hope you enjoyed my discussion with Jessica Harris, author of Bernie's Escape to Ong Island. Jessica has so generously offered to give away one autographed copy of her book to one listener. The details to enter our little giveaway in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 180. And by the way, if you don't know what that show note is, it's the little blurb that you get on your podcast player. So there's a link in there of how to enter to get Jessica's amazing book with spectacular illustrations for free. Now, another major aspect to this episode is the list of resources that are also in the show notes. So I have compiled a monster list of books, movies, TV shows, songs and more (laughs) that you can use in your own homes to jumpstart the conversation about environmentalism. And by the way, if anybody's listening, maybe you don't have kids, but you have kids in your life to gift to, perhaps you check out one of the books, the environmentally leaning books that I've listed in this week's show notes as a potential gift. We'll see you next week. Have an amazing week and take care.